I read public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. That's the only books I can read without getting sued. So it limits my material uh, to people that wrote a really long time ago. And everyone who lived a really long time ago were racist or homophobic or sexist or anti-Semitic or xenophobic. Uh, Anything you can imagine, they were it. Because that's just the way people were back then. And they all wrote books. So if anything I read today is offensive or upsetting, uh, don't hold me responsible. My hands are tied. There's nothing else for me to read. You could always turn it into a drinking game or something. Look, I know I missed a week. It's not my fault. I had to uh, do a bunch of stuff for the holidays. Here in the beautiful United States of America, we celebrate Thanksgiving, where we unironically thank the native peoples of this great land uh, for helping our forefathers not starve to death so that once we got established, we could turn around and uproot them from their homes and move them all around the country and kill off most of them. So that's a lot of fun. That's a complicated holiday to celebrate. But we did. uh, Had family over, made food. Uh, The girlfriend made food and impressed everyone with that. And then uh, then laid around a lot and didn't have time to come up with another podcast. I still don't know if I'm going to have a job. But I heard that in two weeks we'll find out if we have a job or not, uh, right before Christmas, which makes me uh, a little tenuous about purchasing expensive gifts for friends and family and gives me even more of a reason to drag my feet on that L.A. fitness membership so that I can have my uh, glorious summer body. But enough of that. Let's dive into The Interlopers by Saki. From what I read, it's the story of two men uh, wrestling and fighting in the woods. Should be exciting. In a forest of mixed growth, somewhere on the eastern spurs of the Carpathians, a man stood one winter night watching and listening, as though he waited for some beast of the woods to come within range of his vision, and later of his rifle. But the game for whose presence he kept so keen an outlook was none that figured in the sportsman's calendar as lawful and proper for the chase. Ulrich von Gradwitz patrolled the dark forest in quest of a human enemy. The forest lands of Gradwitz were of wide extent and well stocked with game. The narrow strip of precipitous woodland that lay on the outskirt was not remarkable for the game it harbored or the shooting it afforded, but it was the most jealously guarded of all the owner's territorial possessions. A famous lawsuit in the days of his grandfather had wrested from it the illegal possession of a neighboring family of petty landowners, and the dispossessed party had never acquiesced in the judgment of the courts, 
that a long series of poaching, uh, a phrase, and similar scandals had embittered the relationship between the families for three generations. The neighbor feud had grown into a personal one uh, since Ulrich had come to be the head of the family. If there was a man in the world whom he detested and wished ill, it was Georg, Georg, I'm going to say Georg, Zaneum, <laughs> Z-N-A-E-Y-M, Zaneum, Georg Zaneum, the inheritor of the quarrel and the tireless game snatcher and raider of the disputed border forest. The feud might perhaps have died down or been compromised if the personal ill will of the two men had not stood in the way as boys they had thirsted for one another's blood, as men each prayed that misfortune might follow the other. In this wind-scourged winter night, Ulrich had banded together his foresters to watch the dark forest, not in quest of four-footed quarry, but to keep a lookout for the prowling thieves whom he suspected of being afoot from across the land boundary. The roebuck, uh, which usually kept in the sheltered hollows during a storm wind, were running like driven things tonight, and there was movement and unrest among the creatures that were wont to sleep through the dark hours. Assuredly, there was a disturbing element in the forest, and Ulrich could guess the quarter from whom whence it came. He strayed away by himself from the watchers, whom he had placed in ambush on the crest of a hill, and wandered far down the steep slopes amid the wild tangle of undergrowth, peering through the tree trunks and listening through the whistling and skirling of the wind and the restless beating of the branches for sight and sound of marauders. If only on this wild night, in this dark, eh, lone spot, he might come across Yorg, Zanum, Zananum, man to man, with none to witness. That was the wish that was uppermost in his thoughts. And as he stepped around the trunk of a huge beech, he came face to face with the man he sought. The two enemies stood glaring at one another for a long, silent moment. Each had a rifle in his hand. Each had hate in his heart and murder uppermost in his mind. The chance had come to give full play to the passions of a lifetime, but a man who has been brought up under the code of a restraining civilization cannot easily nerve himself to shoot down his neighbor in cold blood and without a word spoken, except for an offense eh, against his hearth and honor. And before the moment of hesitation had given away to action, a deed of nature's own violence overwhelmed them both. A fierce shriek of the storm had been answered, by a splitting crash over their heads, and ere they could leap aside a mass of falling beech tree that thundered down on them. Ulrich von Gradwitz found himself stretched on why does he say the full name every time? Stretched on the ground, one arm numb beneath him and the other held almost as helplessly in a tight tangle of forked branches, while both legs were pinned beneath the fallen mass. His heavy shooting boots shooting boots had saved his feet from being crushed to pieces. What are shooting boots made out of that keep trees from crushing them? But if his fractures were not as serious as they might have been, it, at least it was evident that he could not move from his uh, pressed position till someone came to release him. The descending twig hmm, had slashed the skin of his face, and he had to wink away some drops of blood from his eyelashes before he could take in a general view of the disaster. At his side, so near that under ordinary circumstances, he could almost have touched him. Lay Jorg Zaneum, 
alive and struggling, but obviously as he helplessly pinioned down as himself. All around them lay a thick, strewn wreckage of splintered branches and broken twigs. Twigs doesn't sound heavy or ominous, so it seems weird that they're being pinned down by a twig. Relief at being alive and exasperation at his captive plight brought a strange medley of pious thank-offerings and sharp curses to Ulrich's lips. Jorg, who was early blinded with the blood which trickled across his eyes, stopped his struggling for a moment to listen, and then gave a short, eh, eh, snarling laugh. Eh, eh, so you're not killed as you ought to be, but you caught anyway, he cried. Caught fast, ho, oh, ho! What a jest. Ulrich von Gradwitz snared in his stolen forest. Ah, it's justice for you. And he laughed again, mockingly and savagely. I'm caught in my own forest land, retorted Ulrich. When my men come to release us, you will wish, perhaps, that you were in a better plight than caught poaching on a neighbor's land. Shame on you. Jorg was silent for a moment, then he answered quietly. Eh, are you sure that your men... We'll find much to release. I have men, too. In the forest tonight, close behind me, then they will be here first and do the releasing. When they drag me out from under these damned branches, it won't need much clumsiness on their part to roll this massive trunk over on top of you. Your men will find you dead under a fallen beech tree. For form's sake, I shall send my condolences to your family. It's a useful hint, said Ulrich fiercely. My men had orders to follow in ten minutes' time, seven of which must have gone by already. And when they get me out, I'll remember the hint. Only as you will have met your death poaching on my lands, and I don't think I can uh, decently send any message of condolence to your family. Eh, good, snarled York. Good. We fight this quarrel out to the death, and you and I are foresters with... No cursed interlopers have come between us. Death and damnation to you, Ulrich von Gradwitz. Uh, same to you, Jorg Zanum, forest thief, uh, game snatcher. Both men spoke with bitterness of possible defeat before them, for each knew that it might be long before his men would seek him out or find him. It was a bare matter of chance, which partly would arrive first on the scene. Both had now given up the useless struggle to free themselves from the mass of wood that held them down. Ulrich limited his endeavors uh, to an effort to bring one of his partially free arm near enough to his outer coat pocket to draw out his wine flask. Even when he had accompanied that operation, it was long before he could manage the unscrewing of the stopper or get any of the liquid down his throat. But what a heaven-sent draught it seemed, exclamation point. It was an open winter, and little snow had fallen as yet. Hence the captives suffered less from the cold than might have been the case at that season of the year. Nevertheless, the wine was warming and reviving to the wounded man, and he looked across with something like a throb of pity, where his enemy lay just keeping the groans of pain and weariness from crossing his lips. Could you... Uh, reach this flask if I threw it over to you? asked Ulrich suddenly. There is good wine in it, and one may as well be as comfortable as one can. Uh, let us drink, even if tonight one of us dies. Now, I can scarcely see anything. There's so much blood caked around my eyes, said Jorg. In any case, I don't drink wine with an enemy. Nah. Ulrich was silent for a few minutes, and lay listening to the weary screeching of the wind. 
An idea was slowly forming and growing in his brain, an idea that gained strength every time he looked across at the man who was fighting so grimly against the pain and exhaustion. In the pain and languor that Ulrich himself was feeling, the old fierce hatred seemed to be dying down. Uh, neighbor, he said presently, do as you please. If your men come first, it was a fair compact. But as for me, I've changed my mind. If my men are the first to come, you shall be the first to be helped as though you were my guest. We have quarreled like devils all our lives over this stupid strip of forest where the trees can't even stand upright in a breath of a wind. Lying here tonight, thinking, I've come to think that we're both been rather fools. There are better things in life than getting the better of a boundary dispute. Neighbor, if you will help me to bury the old quarrel, I... I will ask you to be my friend. Jorg Zanum was silent for so long that Ulrich thought perhaps he had fainted from the pain of his injuries. Then he spoke slowly and in jerks. How the whole region would stare and gabble if we rode into the market square together. No, no one living can remember seeing Zanum and uh, von Gradwitz talking to one another in friendship, and what peace there would be amongst the forester folk if we ended our feud tonight. And if we chose to make peace among our people, there is none other to interfere. No interlopers from outside. You would come and keep the Sylvester night beneath my roof, and I would come and feast on some high day at your castle. I would never fire a shot on your land, save when you invited me as a guest. And you should come and shoot with me down in the marshes, uh, where the wildfowl are. In all the countryside, there are none that could hinder if we willed to make peace. I never thought to have wanted to do other than hate you all my life. But I think I have changed my mind about things, too, this half hour. You have offered me your wine flask, Ulrich von Gradwitz. I will be your friend. For a space, both men were silent turning over in their minds the wonderful changes that this dramatic reconciliation would bring about, that cold, gloomy forest with the wind tearing in fitful gusts through the naked branches and whistling around tree trunks. They lay and waited for the help that would now bring release and secure to both parties. And each prayed a private prayer that his men might be the first to arrive so that he might be the first to show honorable attention to the enemy that had become his friend. Presently, as the wind dropped for a moment, Ulrich broke silence. Let's uh, shout for help, he said. He said, in this lull, our voices may carry a little way. Uh, they won't carry far through the trees and undergrowth, said Jorg, but we could try it together then. The two raised their voices in a prolonged hunting call, whatever that sounds like. Together again, said Ulrich a few minutes later, after listening in vain for an answering hello. I heard nothing but the pestilential wind. All right, said Jorg hoarsely. There was a silence again for some minutes. Then Ulrich gave a joyful cry. I can, I can see figures coming through the wood. Uh, they are following the way I came down the hillside. Both men raised their voices in a loud shout as they could muster. They hear us. They've, they've stopped. Now they see us. They're running down the hill toward us, said Ulrich. How many of them are there? asked Jorg. I can see distinctly, said Ulrich. Nine or ten. Then they are yours, said Jorg. I had only seven out with me. They're making all the speed they can, brave lads, said Ulrich gladly. 
Are they your men? asked Yorg. Are they your men? he repeated impatiently as Ulrich did not answer. No, said Ulrich with a laugh, an idiotic, chattering laugh of a man, unstrung with hideous fear. Who are they? asked Yorg quickly, straining his eyes to see what the other would gladly not have seen. Wolves! Well, that was it. Uh, wolves. Turns out wolves got them. Uh, what do we learn from this story? We learn that even though each man thought the other an interloper, uh, in the end, uh, they both are probably employed and have jobs and, uh, are able to pay their bills reliably without worry. So, they'll sit under that tree with the wolves and still... Eh, smile quietly to themselves in self-satisfaction that they don't have to worry about buying Christmas presents or an L.A. fitness membership in the near future without having the money for it. So sucks to the both of them. I don't care what happened to them. Uh, at least they died friends. And maybe that's the point of the story. If you're going to die, uh, die friends. So that's it for this week's episode. Uh... Should hopefully get on track now. Who knows if Christmas is going to ruin everything. Uh, I got a birthday coming up. And I got a girlfriend to celebrate it with. And uh, a kid who's in a play that's actually opening on the night of my birthday. So I'll be spending my birthday night sitting around watching a bunch of kids in a musical. And I love musicals. But I love my kid, so I'm going to go. So that's it for me. Uh, Tune in next time. Uh, Thanks for listening to Leaves of Glen. Thank you.